Hi, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg. Today, our guest host, Alyssa Malkowski from Siemens, will be talking to Georg Bieler, also from Siemens, and Clark Case from Rockwell about the first FLC specification. We already did an introductory podcast on the FLC initiative with Peter Lutz, the Director of Field-Level Communications at the OPC Foundation, which we made available in this stream in September 2020. Please go there if you need to before or after hearing this podcast. Alyssa with Clark and Georg will cover achievements, the creation process, the parties involved, the background, focus, and features of the FX standard. Over to Alyssa. Hello, Georg and Clark. I'm glad you found the time to join this podcast today. How are you? Doing very well, thank you. Great. Okay, then let's start from the beginning. Can you shortly introduce yourself to our listeners? Um, maybe a little bit of background and how you're contributing to the FLC initiative. My name is Clark Case. I'm with uh, Rockwell Automation. I've worked with Rockwell Automation in various roles over the past 20 years or so. And in recent years have been focusing on various topics related to communication between devices and between devices and uh, software. So when the opportunity came up to be involved in the FX effort, or as it previously was known, the FLC effort, I thought it was a very uh, exciting opportunity and was happy to take advantage of it. All right. What about you, Georg? Yeah. My name is Georg Bieler. I'm with Siemens for about 30 years now. I'm doing standardization in the area of industrial communication since about 20 years now. And same as Clark, as I heard about the FLC initiative and the FX specification, I was glad to be part of the team. It was it's really interesting opportunity here. Okay. We already mentioned that we are talking about the OPC AFX specification. Can one of you explain it a little bit further? And what were the latest achievements you've made as an initiative? Uh, why don't I give the, uh, I'll give an overview, Georg, and then you can talk a little bit more about the specifics, as I said. So the first version of the FX specifications focuses on controller-to-controller communication for real-time control communications. So we're trying to enable a controller from Siemens and a controller from Rockwell and a controller from Phoenix Contact and a controller from VNR to all be able to communicate with each other in real time for the purposes of uh, synchronizing operation, for doing command and control sorts of activities, the sorts of use cases that are commonly encountered when a manufacturing facility is trying to integrate machines from different machine builders or from other, other different providers. And we're trying to make that challenge much more easily achievable than it has been in the past. So for this, we wrote the FX specification. FX is for field exchange. So that's the title of our specification series. Uh, FLC, by the way, is the name is for the field level communications initiative. So it's more or less the name for our working groups. FX, the name for our specification. And 
I would say the, the core context of our specification, as Clark already said, is for the first release, we concentrate on controller-controller communication. What have we specified? For one, we have a chapter or one part of the specification is concentrating on the information model of an automation component that is used to harmonize the information models, what we typically today have in different companion specs. We have now a harmonized one. So if you get the controller, you find the information for assets or the information what function, for example, a controller or a machine or whatever piece does in a specific place. So you have a navigate path to the information. It's the exact the same on a Rockville machine, on an ABB machine, on a BNR machine, Siemens machine, whatever. And second, also what Clark said is controller-controller communication. Communication means data exchange. We specified real-time data exchange, including TSM time-sensitive networks, and an easy management of such connections between different automation components. And we specified, last but not least, an offline descriptor, so you are able to engineer such machines in offline and online in a very nice and easy way, I would say. Okay, thank you for the overview. Let, let me expand on that just a little bit, if you don't mind, Alyssa. Yeah, sure. There's a couple of reasons why this work that Georg just described is very important. One aspect is the common way of discovering what one controller knows, the data it knows how to publish and the data it expects to be able to consume. Without the FX specification in place, that process is different for each and every vendor's controllers. And it becomes kind of a nightmare for the system integrator or for the end customer to try to figure out exactly what data it is that a given controller is expecting and what data it's able to provide. The second critical aspect of it is the manner in which the data is actually exchanged. Instead of it being a different vendor-specific protocol for each and every vendor's controllers, it becomes the same protocol. Without FX in place, enabling different vendors' controllers to communicate with each other requires putting in place a number of different gateways or bridges or translating devices, all of which require time and money to purchase and configure and also slow down communications when they're implemented. Uh, so FX is going to make a huge difference in the deployment of integrated machines between different vendors. All right. Thank you so much for explaining this to us. Now I've wondered how the idea was created and how did the further creation process of OPC AFX look like? Uh, well, before the standards efforts got underway, which was two years ago, Georg, is that correct? Uh, we we started in January 2019 with the first kickoff yes. meeting. Yeah. So before that, there were a lot of discussions among the among representatives from all of the the different major automation vendors, just discussing the different vendors' goals and how they would want to interact. And that, that of course, took some time, but uh, all the different vendors seemed to understand the value of this effort. Uh, and that would provide a benefit for all the vendors and all of our different customers. And once 
that agreement was in place and we had uh, they had decided that they wanted to work within the framework of the OPCUA frame or the OPC foundation in order to, order to develop these specifications. We put into place an OPCUA working group and uh, started our work. We've organized our overall group into a number of different teams focused on different specific areas. We have a team focused on the overall architecture of the system. We have a team focused on information modeling. Uh, we have a team that is focused on the mechanisms for establishing, uh, monitoring, and managing communications between devices. And we have a team focused on the specification around the offline engineering deliverable. But I think now we have a few other teams that are focused on some other topics, but those are the main ones that are involved in this first release of the specification. Actually, at the moment, just a rough count, we have, I think, 320, no, 320 members from 65 companies. I think I counted it two weeks ago, so could be more by, by now. But not all of them are work at the same time. So. <laughs> and it's quite an impressive roster of companies. It's yeah. basically all of the automation companies, with perhaps one or two uh, notable exceptions. But we also have representatives from Intel and uh, Microsoft, I believe, and some other companies that aren't directly involved in industrial automation, but who are interested in perhaps providing enabling products or services for this space. All right. Thank you so much for your summary. Let's move on and talk about the technologies behind OPC UAFX, because you're using a lot of OPC UA technologies for your specification and how can you utilize them and how does everything work? There are a number of technologies underlying the FLC specifications or the FX specifications rather. We are utilizing the functionality provided by OPC UA as much as possible. If there is a capability offered by OPC UA, then we're going to utilize that capability offered by OPC UA instead of inventing something new. So we are using uh, OPC UA client server communication capability. We are using uh, OPC UA their pub sub communication capability. We are utilizing OPC UA's security model. However, there are some areas that uh, OPC UA doesn't cover. So we're also having discussions around how we apply TSN that Georg mentioned a bit ago, time-sensitive networking technologies to the FX specifications as well. Can you, you, would you like to expand a bit on that, Georg? What else are we doing? Uh, actually, you didn't cover offline descriptor. <laughs> uh, so oh, we're quite using, right. Yeah, <laughs> we're using the... How is it called? Uh, this open process container specification, but that's not OPC. And it has the same letters, but it's not OPC. And using automation ML for contents of the offline descriptor. That's not specified by OPC because we are the first ones who specify something such a representation for offline engineering. For TSN, we actually do not want to build our own TSN on the site, but we are in joint contact with the 6802 working group who is actually driving a profile for 
for interoperability between several protocols utilizing TSN in an automation network. And regarding client server and, and PubSub, we are also using the base security service, which are provided by OPC UA. So actually, we are extending OPC UA and we are an integral part of the OPC UA base specification. So we are not something on the side doing our own stuff, but we are really built on top of OPC UA and existing our standards. Exactly. I can only agree. I think it's important to know and important to emphasize that the OPC FLC initiative isn't doing something on their own, but really building on top of OPC UA and trying to help the industry in this way. So thank you so much for explaining this. I think you've already mentioned harmonization and I want to look at it a little bit further. Um, can you explain to our listeners what harmonization means and how, for example, the information model and automation component are being harmonized? Actually, how Clark worked out just some minutes ago is if you today look at some components on OPC UA server, What you have in hand is you have a client server protocol and you can access information and the information is structured in objects which are put into, I would say, from like into a tree. So you can follow references and you can navigate through such a tree. The problem is if you look at the elements in the tree, you do not really know what we are intended for. You have to read some specification and you could structure your component in whatever way you want. But ethics is actually making a standard navigation tree, I would say. So you have on top something called ethics root. And below that, you have an automation component. And the automation component has several functional entities, which model the functional world of it automation component. And it has also a tree of assets, which model sort of a physical world like uh, you have a physical world or software licenses etc by having such a standard tree you always know where you find your input data that is what the controller subscribes to for example or your output data you find it at the particular functional entities always i would say at the same location so you don't have to know a lot about your automation component, you can just use it because the information is structured always in the same way to somebody using that component. That is the harmonization of the information model. Okay. The industry can definitely benefit from a standard. Let's clarify again what the architecture is designed for. Can customers use it for both factory and process automation? Uh, absolutely. That uh, Our goal is to be able to um, address process automation, factory automation, hybrid uh, situations as well. As Georg mentioned, the FX specification is about how devices in those systems uh, exchange data. It does not specify anything about how they are programmed internally. So whether uh, so this, this frees up the uh, machine builder or the device vendor or the system integrator to implement the automation logic for their device in the best way that they can. And if they conform to the standard for exchanging data with other devices, then 
they'll be FX conformant and they'll be able to exchange data with other devices independent of the specific type of application. And to clarify a bit of terminology for the podcast, could you explain what functional entities and assets are exactly? Actually, a functional entity models the automation function of a device or a part of the automation function of a device. For example, if you have a temperature sensor, a functional entity could be providing the temperature of a temperature sensor. Or a drive, a functional entity could provide you a stepper drive or whatever. Yeah? So a functional entity gives you, as actually re uh, wants to receive input data from somewhere else and as a function inside and produces output data, which can then be exchanged input data, could be given by some other functional entity and output data could be, could this functional entity provide to someone else. In addition, you have configuration data. So you could, for example, adjust your measurement value, uh, for example, speed in miles per hour or kilometers per hour or uh, rotations per second or whatever, or in degrees, rotation in degrees. That is actually the functional entity modeling the functional model of an automation component. The asset is actually the things the automation component is built off. Like it's, for example, for a modular device, its modules, its connectors to the outside world, uh, its, its clamps and all that stuff. And in addition, licenses, certificates, firmware, all, I would say also pieces of the, I would say environment of the automation component. That is the asset. Okay, thank you so much. Now let's talk about connections and how connections help to exchange data. What kind of possibilities are there exactly for automation components? Possibilities to connect devices. First is the pure basis is OPCUA PubSub for now, publish subscribe. So we build on top of publish subscribe, we build the notion of a connection. We can use that connection to transport data in one direction, only in one direction, or getting a response back, meaning I'm still alive, something what, what we call heartbeat, or we can also have a bi-directional communication data flowing in both directions. PubSub can be used with a lot of different transports, a lot of, I would say, four different transports. One is pure layer two, Ethernet-based, UDP-based, or also into the cloud like MQTT or AMQP is supported. And PubSub can also be used in addition with different quality of services, which allow you to utilize, for example, deadline or latency uh, supported by time-sensitive networks by TSN. Okay, and how are those connections being established? Actually, we have a notion of someone holding configuration data for connections, which is called the connection manager. The connection manager could be integrated into one of the automation components which are connected, but it could also be located on some external server like a shop floor manager, for example, connecting two machines or on a plant server or something like that. And this connection manager gets in contact with the 
two devices to connect or two automation components to connect. Maybe one is living on itself and the other one is an external one or it connects two external ones and actually configures the connection endpoint of the connection on each of the automation components. Okay, and can you shortly summarize how data is being exchanged in the end? Actually, data can be exchanged with a lot of different quality of services. One would be the isochronous mode, that means that the end stations, the network and the network and the applications are synchronized to each other's. Uh, you use TSN for doing that and working clock synchronization for doing doing that. And by that, you have the very precise operation between two automation components. And not every application is going to require the use of this technology. Yeah. Uh, so we are working to make sure that we can support applications that both require the TSN technology and those that don't. Good. Thank you for this detailed explanation. Now let's look a little bit back on the creation process, but looking at another aspect of it. Um, I'm sure creating the specification required a lot of prototyping and testing. Can you give us a little bit of insight on that? Actually, we formed a prototyping group, also one of the working groups uh, Clark mentioned before. Inside the prototyping working group, uh, companies or people from companies who are interested in the prototyping work are joining together and we are writing, I would say, prototypes at home and we exchange each other their progress and maybe also code fragments, code pieces in there. And the uh, goal of the prototyping working groups are to have several independently built prototypes based upon our specification. Uh, what we want to sort of talk to each other. So what way actually on one hand prove that the specification is correct because writing a specification is a bit of different than implementing it. So only if you implement it, you may detect some of the flaws in the specification, if there are any. And improving also the specification cause also the the input from the prototyping group is actually improving also the specification in many places. Yeah, the goal is to prove that the specification is implementable and that several different implementations are able to interop with, have interoperability to each other. Thank you so much for this insight. Now, we are slowly heading towards the end. So now I'm wondering what the next goal is for the initiative and for the specification. Well, currently we are wrapping up work on release candidate one of the first version, which contains the basics for establishing connections between controllers and exchanging data. Next up will be uh, release candidate two, which will add in uh, time-sensitive networking capabilities and security capabilities and support for uh, exchanging data with SIL3 secure or SIL3 safety rather. And that will complete the scope for our controller to controller release. And our release candidate two should form the basis for what will be released as, as version one. Once we have completed release one covering controller to controller communications, 
we will then turn our attention to controller to device communications. So uh, defining how controllers communicate with devices such as drives, temperature transmitters, pressure transmitters, IO devices, pretty much any field level device. That will be a very uh, interesting activity because then we'll actually be able to deploy systems that are uh, fully based on FLC communications. All right. That was my last question for today's podcast. And Georg and Clark, thank you so much for joining this podcast and answering the questions about the FX specification. Um, I hope you have a great day. And yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Georg and Clark, for sharing such interesting details on the FX specification. And thank you, Alyssa, for hosting today's podcast. If you, dear listener, want to learn more about FLC, about OPC UA specifications or other pieces of the OPC UA technology, or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. As mentioned, we already did an introductory podcast on FLC with Peter Lutz, which we made available in September of 2020. If you have a proposal for topics or are interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups, or maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both the website URLs and the mail addresses in the podcast notes. It was great to have you with us today. If you liked what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. Bye-bye.